That's right. It does take two. It takes two people to talk about the latest release from Bruce Springsteen's official archives. I am Jesse Jackson, and joining me, as we always do when we're discussing the latest releases, my good friend Terry. How are you doing, Terry? I'm great, Jesse. And uh, again, I'm excited to be talking about this one, and particularly this one, so I'm sure we'll get to that later. Yeah, I know. This has been a... Um, this was this was kind of a, a nice little surprise. I was really thrilled when I saw this. Um, so as we, just in case this is your first episode of this, um, normally Springsteen releases once a month a series a, a a live show that has happened throughout his career, and uh, we take it down and discuss it. So Terry, you want to start us off? Where are we? What are we talking about this? Uh, episode. So uh, we're talking about a release from the Seeker Sessions. Um, it's r- a release from right towards the end of the tour. Uh, it's the Saturday night in London on the 11th of November 2006. And the reason I said I was particularly excited is I was there. So yes, finally they've, re- they, they've released a show I was at, um, which has actually really, really been interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about that. Um, when they started doing these, right when the, the second River Tour happened. Yeah. And so I ended up, I bought Louisville and I bought Pittsburgh because those two. But then when they released Dallas and Oklahoma City, I was like, well, it's kind of mostly the same show. I mean, there wasn't anything, so I didn't. But I, I do think... If you're at a show, that must make it must buying, right? You just see, oh, abso- absolutely, at, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, do you have any fun factoids about this one? Well, I do. Well, I have to start with a confession, and uh, we won't normally talk. Well, on the basis, we're not it's not normally a release we've yeah. been at, but um, so uh, the first, well, the confession I have is this, and I, and in my forty-eight shows, I only ever I've only ever done this three times. Um, but I was actually there at the show on Microsoft's dollar. Um, oh, my, nice. My wife, Laura, was up in Scotland because we have uh, two nieces who have birthdays four days apart. So uh, she was up celebrating their birthday with the family. But I actually took uh, two customers and their wives to the show uh, as guests of Microsoft. Now, I say I only did this three times because, frankly, and I think you know me well enough by now, I'm not going to take any old customer to a Bruce show. I'm far more interested <laughs> in uh, in seeing Bruce. Um, but these were two customers who'd um, become really good friends, and they both had a passion for music. So if I may, I'll take a few minutes uh, to talk about them. Um, Please do. Um, and the, the sad fact is that the two gentlemen uh, who went with me, uh, neither of them are with us anymore. Um, oh, no. So that, that was also a bit poignant of, you know, listening and remembering the night and that. But uh, the people I took with this, I took a gentleman called Andrew Pinder, 
who was actually a bit of a celebrity, although he would um, he would squirm at that uh, that word. Uh, he did a number of things, um, but uh, most noticeably, he was the E envoy to Tony Blair in the early noughties. So he was basically in charge of getting government online, um, and. <laughs> He was an interesting character, and he, he died in 2017, and he's, um, you know, he had an obituary in the Times, and when your obituary starts with stubborn and argumentative, that gives you, <laughs> it actually says stubborn, argumentative, and forward-looking, um, and it tells a brilliant story that in the late 70s, he was in the Inland Revenue, which is our tax system, he was brought in uh, to look at how that could be transformed, and he was invited to a reception at number 10 with Margaret Thatcher, who'd just become uh, Prime Minister. And uh, she started talking to him, and when she realised where he was from, she took a letter out of her bag from an irate taxpayer and said, what are you going to do about that? So Andrew said, well, give me the letter, and I'll get back to you. And she said, I'm not going to trust you with the letter. To which he said... Well, you're trusting me with transforming the tax system. Surely you can trust me with a letter. <laughs> um, and the obituary references the fact... I love that. Uh, it, well, they then got into what was described as a, um, a heated discussion and they both warmed to the task. Um, and it says the discussion escalated to the point that Andrew found Margaret Thatcher telling him he was free to leave the building whenever he liked. <laughs> So he was a bit of a character, and I mentioned he was the e envoy. And in two thousand and one, uh, we did this massive event in uh, Seattle. Uh, he's on stage with Bill Gates. He gets introduced, and and the person that introduced him had that you know the film voice, "Here a cinema near you." Uh, and this sure, voice said, sure. "Welcome to the stage, Andrew Pinder, the e envoy." And Andrew walked out, and he said. Morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name is, in fact, Andrew Pinder, and my job title is E Envoy. I say it that way because that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> Bill didn't actually get the joke, but the rest of the audience did. So he was oh. he was he was guest number one. His wife Sue. Um, this is literally we're having a bite to eat before the show, and I'd met Sue a couple of times. I'd never spent any time with her, but. Andrew's real musical passion was Dylan, and Sue, in the 70s, had been in a relationship with a guy called Anthony Scaduto, which was the first Dylan sort of biography I ever wrote, uh, ever read. So I said to Sue, have you seen Bruce before? And with a totally straight face, she said, um, yeah, just the once. And I said, oh, really, when was that? She said, the CBS launch party. <laughs> So because okay. because of her relationship with Anthony Scaduto, she'd been invited literally to when Clive, and it wasn't Clive Davis, um, I've forgotten his name now, but came out and announced Bruce as a CBS artist. So, And she then said in that suitably English way, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's progressed. <laughs> <laughs> how funny. Um, uh, so, yeah, they, they were just great characters. And, in fact, they were at our wedding, so they, they became very close friends. And then the other guy, uh, the lovely Welsh guy called Dave Dunimer and his, his wife Carolyn. And Dave was, you know, self-made man, full of life, loved his Bruce. Um, and I always remember at the end of the night... He, he looked at me and he said, and I'll try and do the Welsh accent, he said, uh, Teddy, he said, thank you very much. He said, that was absolutely fantastic. He said, but it's not the real thing, is it? 
So, you know, he loved his E Street band and that. And I'm glad to say we did get to go to the Emirates gig in 2008 um, together. Um, oh, that's great. And then in 2009, he suddenly, uh, in his early 50s, had a heart attack and passed away suddenly. But um, we went to his funeral, and I don't know if you know, but the Welsh are famous for their male voice choirs. There's just something about Wales that everyone can sing. And we got into the church, and well, it was a cremation, and then we went to the sort of memorial service, and there was probably 300 people there. And they sang the river, and oh, you, can wow. you can probably hear now. It was undoubtedly the most emotional version I've ever heard uh, of that song. Um, and I guess the final thing I will say um, is, uh, given that we were there on Microsoft's dollar, when um, Bruce did pay me my money down, and there's the line in there: "I wish about I was Mr. Gates," and um, there was a wry smile between the group. So uh, oh, that's bet. that's the I background bet. to the night, Jesse. That's the background. Um, curious, what were your thoughts about the Seeger session uh, release? And then you share, and then I'll share mine. Okay. Uh, well, I, I think when the release came out, like everyone, um, I was sort of surprised. It was like, ooh, what's this? Um I was lucky enough, so this, this show was actually the third show that um, on the UK tour I got to see. So I I saw the first show in Manchester with my brother, which I think was like the fourth, no, the third time they'd played. So they did New Orleans, they did one other, then they did Manchester. And I actually then saw him the following night down in London. Um, and, you know, what's interesting for me listening to back to this release is I think the album and those early shows there was a spontaneity and there were rough edges and it was loose that was actually really quite endearing and a bit different for Bruce you know you listen to this by the end of the tour all of that's gone <laughs> and I don't think that's a bad thing it's just different uh, you know and this is a really well-oiled machine and we'll talk about it more later but going back and listening was a real joy it was like there is so much in here and actually this isn't some interesting side project that you know he then gave up on um i think i think this is significant in his catalog and you know i've put it at the end of my notes the reality is we wouldn't have had wrecking ball without this tour and this band so i, I i'm a fan and i think it's significant so i did not particularly enjoy the cd when it came out a couple of songs I liked, but just it, it, it like if if Bruce was going to do a cover album, this is not the cover album I wanted. <laughs> um, understood the significance, and and I I just thought it was an interesting experiment. There wasn't enough songs on there that I loved, so I kind of okay, that's that's interesting, and moved on. He did not come anywhere close to Dallas, and uh, based on the CD, I didn't. Well, I don't know if it's worth traveling mm -hmm. for this, right? Big mistake. <laughs> big, big, big mistake. Uh, my friend Sam, who I've talked about before, yeah. um, said that going to the Seeger Sessions, um, sessions, you know, when he saw the band, um, was as close to a religious experience as he's ever had. Wow. Um, 
then the other story is, and I'm I'm going to get this wrong, but you understand the general uh, thing. Um, the banjo player in the sessions, um, like brother, was the roommate of Sam's brother in college. Oh, so really? there's a connection. Okay, yes. And so at some show, um. Sam, his brother Josh, and this other guy were all in the audience. And, um, you know, and so they're watching the band and they're loving it. And at the very end of the show, uh, Josh's roommate goes, Okay, I'll see you later. And he walks off. And Josh and, you know, Sam kind of look at each other and, Well, that was kind of rude. What's going on? And so they ended up, you know, getting in the car, or whatever, and leaving. And like, Two years later or something, Sam was going through his stuff and he there was the ticket stub or something and he saw backstage pass. What? <laughs> they, oh, they had good. had a backstage pass and they had not realized it. Oh, and so you're that's joking. What the, that's the guy was like, okay, you know, um, you know, I'm going to see, I'll see you guys backstage. And since Sam and Josh did not realize it. Oh, no. So Sam was always like, I wonder if I could bring this to the Magic or Wrecking Ball Tour and go, look, look, see, I had it then. <laughs> Does this count now? Um, so, yeah, I, I um, after seeing the live in Dublin and listening to this, I go, man, I missed it. I missed it. This is something really amazing. Yeah, and I, and I think you make an important point, Jesse, that says – if he'd have only released, if he hadn't toured the album, then I don't think it would have been anywhere near as significant. Um, but I think the tour, and you, you know, as you saw with the Wrecking Ball tour, there is something about having 18 people on a stage. Yes, I love the E Street Orchestra or the E Street Band on steroids, yeah. and that Wrecking Ball tour was amazing. And And I get the purity of only the E Street Band, which is what, still eight or ten people. But <laughs> having that massive group is fun. And, you know, when I listen to this, um, you also, um, I kind of had the same feeling when I was watching um, Western Stars, the film. Yep. Like, Bruce, couldn't you have done like the Seeger band and just picked three or four other songs and had this band play it in that kind of style? Because um, as we over, we're going to go through our highlights and, you know, could do better. And as I emailed you, I said, I got way too many highlights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to it. And although it's interesting you mentioned the, um, the banjo player, and I don't have his name to hand. But one of the things that was noticeable from those very early shows as opposed to this one was, you know, literally at the early shows, Bruce had to physically manhandle him towards the front of the stage. He was that yes. shy. Now, by the end, he was hardly leaping around, but he was more comfortable. But I remember the show in Manchester. I mean, the poor guy looked absolutely petrified. Well, yeah, I can imagine. Well, he was right? a local folk musician, and then suddenly it's like, hey, go, yeah. on, go on tour with Bruce and play to 10,000 people, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've kind of set the stage. We're there at Wembley. All right, what – let's – Let's talk about magic moments and highlights. Do you want to start? Yeah, I'm happy to start, uh, okay. if that's okay. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is, if you look at the set list, what is interesting, and again, this change from those early shows, is that there's 23 songs and 10 of them actually weren't on... Uh, no, sorry, 13 of them weren't on that original album. So it's much more, I think, of a sort of mixed set uh, than just the Seeger sessions. Um, so I think the temptation is always to then just go to the songs you know. Um, but what I've decided to do is um, you know, just choose my best cover. And I think that the highlight is Atlantic City for me. Um, you right know, there with you. I think that the guitar figure that's in there is just brilliant and it builds up tension and then and it happens time and time again uh, but when the horns come in uh, I think um, absolutely fantastic so uh, I tried to get down to three highlights and then had to cheat by okay I'll choose my cover then three highlights okay. <laughs> so that would be number one um, then the first highlight for me would be eye on the prize or eyes on the prize um, and I think you know there's some of these songs that just they suit Bruce's voice so well and what I love is that you get that sort of soft deep warm voice that has non you know sometimes when he goes into that stuff you, you get the you get the Diz, Dylan nasal uh, which I'm not a fan of um, but I think he sings um, he sings beautifully on this uh, as does Mark and Wikipedia tells me and uh, so Mark Thompson is known as Mark Chocolate Genius Thompson, um, who's the uh, the guy sharing the vocals with him. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't explain why Chocolate Genius. Um, and one comment I would make is I am amazed that that guy didn't go on to be a star um, because he's got a beautiful, beautiful voice and a great stage presence. So uh, that was that was one of the highlights. And again, I've just written and those horns again. You know, I think it's just really, really uplifting. So that would be highlight number one. Uh, the second would be how can a poor man uh, stand such times and live? Um, you know, I, that came out after the original album. It was on the the extended edition. Um, and I just love it. Um, you know, it brings back all of those <laughs> times when we were worried about Bush Um but, you know, the, the highlight for me in the, and I know it was a traditional song that he then extended, but, you know, one of his talents as a lyricist is those, those one-liners that say so much more. Um, and if, if you look on this album, you know, you've got in Atlantic City, um, there's down here, it's winners and losers and don't get caught on the wrong side of that line. And then we'll talk about it in a minute, but long walk home and, you know, uh, the flag flying over the courthouse tells certain things are set in stone, who we are, what we'll do and what we won't. Um, and the line I love in How Can a Poor Man Stand Such Times as These is, um, them that's got got out of town, them that ain't got left to drown. Is just one of those, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole story in that, the, that, was, couplet, that it, couplet. When... When you were talking, Terry, my immediate thought was that exact line. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know, if, if Terry doesn't say that one, then I'm going to. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, being from Louisiana and New Orleans is a very um, – we spent part of our honeymoon there. Yep. Um, we've, we've gone to New Orleans many times to – celebrate and to do um, Linda used to tell the story that anytime 
um, something happened with her family. New Orleans is where they went to celebrate. And so to have uh, Katrina and all that going on, um, such a powerful song and such a, such a, such a great use of that and so powerful. So yeah, absolutely. Highlight. Great. And then the third highlight, and I've referenced it already and um, there was no way it couldn't be, of course, was Long Walk Home, um, which for a whole host of reasons, you know where you and I both get to on favourite songs and that, but it's right, right up there. It may be my favourite song of Bruce's of the last 15 years. So there I am, I'm at a gig, and he decides to premiere... Um, a song that has become one of my favorites and i'd love to turn around and say it was this mystical moment and i stood there transfixed and thought my god that's the best thing he wrote i don't really remember it <laughs> <laughs> uh, now i do remember that you played a new song i actually can remember being a bit annoyed that i missed lucinda williams the night before um but it didn't sort of knock me uh between the eyes and and it was only i think magic came out and then there's something and and it was like oh wow um now you know the the other comments i would make is one clearly he was inspired by seeing the sender the the night before who'd done a load of new material to do a new song and i think you can you can hear him saying to kevin guitar so i think it was pretty last minute um Things that sort of popped for me was one, he refers to it as a work in progress and you listen to it and think, well, that's a pretty well yeah. down the road work in progress. You know, <laughs> I'd hate to hear the finished. Um, the bit that he drops, of course, is the last verse. Um, and you can see why the first, you know, it's a bit clunky with its weather references. Um, but, and this is the way at least my mind works, you know, you look with the election coming up in the US in November, the the final line that says, or lines that says, when the party's over, when the cheering is all gone, will you know me, will I know you? Feel pretty prescient to me. That's, Absolutely. You know, so it was once again listening to a, a verse that he decided to throw away, but you think, wow. Um, so, you know, it's, as I say, it's a song I love and I really like uh, the version, and I've heard, I've heard him. Remember seeing him in Madrid doing a storming version um, with the band on the Magic Tour, um, and then similarly when I was down in Australia, he came out first night and just did it on his own. Um, so, uh, but yep, I um, I wish I could tell a better story about seeing the world premiere, but I can't. <laughs> well, um, and had not planned on mentioning Sam twice in the episode, but um, he and I were supposed to go to lunch on Friday. I got busy at work, so I I sent him an email saying, hey, let's reschedule, and he sent a text back, hey, is everything okay? Mm. And so I called my Sedona, and I'm just busy at work. We'll, we'll get together on Tuesday. He said, okay, good. And I said, by the way, um, you don't normally buy the Springsteen archives, do you? And he goes, no, nah, not not really what do you mean and i said well just the latest one bruce tells a story about seeing lucinda williams and inspiring him and so he does um long walk home 
his excuse me because he loves lucinda williams right in fact he took me to see her once and, and she did a great show I, I really liked her and um he's like talk to me about this and so he said okay i gotta go buy that and, and i just yeah i just thought that was great that he was not only he talked about what a great show it was but her like well if she shares stuff and you know as it's being you know in it's it's cooking yeah let's share that so yeah great great highlight i agree in fact my note was this has to be the highlight right? oh yeah i mean <laughs> yes. I, I think for any uh for any fan it's it's worth buying just to to hear that at that stage i think but uh, yeah those are my three so I'm you you hit some ones I like so I'm going to um, first off I the first time I saw Bruce was on the rising tour but the second time I saw him was the devils and dust tour that was the second show and it was the first show I'd really done my homework in other words when that CD had come out I played it played it played it played it played it so that when he when i got to that show nothing on that album cd i wouldn't know hmm. so anything that came from them like you know jesus was an only son yeah. devils and dust a uh, long time coming have a highlight to me that those were special um i want to make the comment is has has there been a more diverse song or how a song's changed than open all night <laughs> considering the the nebraska version to this one it, it like are you sure it's the same song talk about it. and so i i thought of that um but my three highlights are going to be um when the saints go marching in this little mine and american land oh brilliant um you know that trilogy um you know, when I first heard him doing Saints, I'm like, I've never heard it slow this way. Yep. This is amazing. Um, this little lot of mine reminds me of, I grew up in various Southern Baptist churches and going to church camps and youth rallies. And, and this little lot of mine was all one. Um, I did lead me to some disappointment. We went to the Dallas House of Blues had a gospel brunch. They do gospel brunches every Sunday. So Lynn and I decided to go, and not one song was as good as this little out of mine. Hmm. And so I, I judged it. And they were a perfectly fine band. It just was like, okay, I need to give them this CD and um, to see what's going on. And then uh, American Land is one of my favorite songs in such a powerful way. So that trilogy was just, I, I just think, you know, hitting out of the park toward the end of the um, show. Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, great set of Um I was laughing here when you said uh, about open all night because literally about an hour and a half ago I was playing the Nebraska version for that very reason that went exactly the point you made that went wow. If you you know imagine at any point between 1982 and 2006 saying that song's going to become this <laughs> yeah no it just wouldn't have um uh, and then yeah devils uh, devils and dust almost made my list i think that uh, i'm i'm with you the the songs from that album i think work really really well in this format but i think that particular version uh, is incredibly powerful and of course again without getting too serious and political if you listen to his intro, 
um, there, for me, there was a bit of sort of sad nostalgia of there's the optimism because the midterms had happened. Uh, yes. And then, you know, he does the Lincoln quote and says, the problem is you can fool enough of the people enough of the time to make a big mess. And you think, whoa. Yes. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but um, so much isn't there. Is there anything, Jesse, that was a disappointment? Um, as I mentioned, I wasn't a huge um, Seeger f- fan. So, by the way, I do need to give you one more story. You oh, mentioned please. pay me my bunny down. Yep. Um, when this came out, Chris was just starting his career at real page and, um, he had, he was doing well and he was scheduled for like a review, um, to possibly, you know, move up or get a pay raise. And so I played him that and he's like, yeah, yeah. So anytime now we talk about, um, getting a pay raise or something, we go pay me, pay me, <laughs> pay me my money down. I love uh, the way you repurpose. So, um, what was the one on our last recording? Um, oh, Dream Baby Dream. So that's the Dallas yes. Cowboys before a Dallas Cowboys, and then yeah. pay me my money down is a salary mm. negotiation. That's brilliant. Yes. Um, yeah. The um, and one other thing that we should mention, then I will give you my low life. Um, I did. I always love when he was touring and Patty wasn't there, you know, he would like Patty sends her love, you know, if she's not there, they take my shirts and sell them on eBay or, you know, in this one, he, she's, if she isn't tending the home fires, they burn the effing house down <laughs> right <laughs> well, now. I have the easy part. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's also the one be, before, um, uh, long walk home when he says, yeah, <laughs> After the gigs and in between my drinking and late night whoring, you know, I do yeah. write the odd song and it's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> so my father played the guitar and would often sing for us kids. Um, and the, some of my memories is, was him and his other army buddies all bringing their guitars over to our living room when the in the living room is filled with smoke just so thick and um with people laughing and joking and then playing the guitars but um my dad would always play froggy when a court and that was my sister's favorite song and for some reason bruce's version just doesn't get me but i also think in my mind and i want to hear what you say because you were there that seems like the worst you know, uh, song to come back as an encore. I mean, when you do, when the Saints go marching in, this little mind, American land, it seems like, really? That's what we're going to end with? So I would curious to know, how did that play live? You got it spot on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so I have a theory, uh, which I've just come up with, really. Um, but one of the things, and uh, we talked about it before we press record, was... Um, london audiences so i'm from the north of the country so i'm biased but i i'm not a massive fan it's a sweeping statement but there is an element and always has me that london audiences tend to be impress me um and there's a couple of things around that i mentioned that i'd seen him uh, twice before on the tour the second time was actually hammersmith apollo and he right. does make reference of like he why does. did they why did they change it from the Apollo to the Odeon? But of course, Hammersmith Odeon was where in seventy five he turned up 
and he ripped down all the signs and he had a massive hissy fit because there were all these signs saying, you know, is, is the UK ready for the future of rock and roll and all this. So seeing him at Hammersmith Odeon, there was definitely an edge in the show and he went off and then he came back for the encore and he just stood there and I'm paraphrasing, he basically said, uh, yeah, it's kind of strange to be back here. It's been a day of exercising ghosts. And people laughed and he said, I'm not joking. <laughs> and it was like, he said, I got to the theatre, I went down the side entrance. He said, once I threw up, I was okay. <laughs> and there was no hint of a smile. So I think going back um, to then had been, and the reason for telling you all that is if you listen, well, one of the first comments I wrote in my notes when I started listening to it was, I don't remember the audience being this up for the show to mm-hmm. what you hear. Now, uh, without spawning it for anyone, I think whoever's mixed it has done a good job of of getting the sound from the pit and boosting it up. Yes. Because if you listen to, uh, what is it, it's in Pay Me My Money Down, when he comes back mm-hmm. from that, he then turns around, because he makes reference to the uh, ass seat separation. Yes. And then he says, it's sometimes a challenging clinical procedure in London. Mm-hmm. So he... Uh, he, uh, he uh, he has always had this, I, I think, from 75, had that, you know, London has clearly always been a big gig for him. Um, there's been, you know, Hyde Park was fantastic. Um, yes. But I think there is always that. So I have this theory that his froggy winter courting was was um, his sort of um, penance for the London audience. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. And I probably, I've got friends out there who are Londoners who'll be pinging me going, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but it, it, it was my low light as well. And I think it was part of my friend Dave saying, thanks very much, but it's not the real thing. Because uh, I think that was a step too far for him as well. Yeah, like I almost would have switched... Uh, my Oklahoma home and Froggy went a court and like done Erie Canal, Froggy went a court and then goes to Devils and Dust and then come back with Oklahoma home, you know, because or just you got the don't do away. Froggy went a court. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, um, there's not, there's not many things that I go, I'm not going back to listen to that a second time, but uh, yeah. that will be, that will be one. But other than that, you know, for me, yes. if you look at that set list, it's a pretty, pretty good set list. Yeah. Uh, as I said, when I highlighted, um, six, seven, I had about 10 highlights when I yeah, said yeah. that. Yeah. And very few, um, meh, you know, yeah. I had some goods and nice and everything. So yeah, really good. Well, um, this kind of seems as a no brainer, but, um, I would definitely think this is a must-buy for almost everyone, right? Yeah, I uh, I think so. And I would um, my advice would be if you've got headphones, listen to it on headphones and turn it up loud. Because yes. uh, whilst it may be ostensibly an acoustic band, there is um, there is a lot going on in there. If I can do one other um, just little personal thing, and, and it's, a, it's a it's a song that always connects with me, uh, which is Mrs. McGrath. Um, and the reason for that is one, it's a brilliant protest song if you listen to it, and there's some you know, tragic but great lines in there. But growing up, I had an Auntie Barbara, and I grew up in Liverpool, and this was the Liverpool Irish side of the of the family. So in Liverpool, Mrs. McGrath would be Mrs. McGrath, but uh, my Auntie Barbara's mum was Mrs. McGrath, 
And it's not that I've forgotten. I actually never knew her first name because everybody just called her Mrs. McGrath. So when he came out with that song, it was like, oh. <laughs> so it's whilst it's a very serious anti-war song, whenever I hear that, it always it takes me back to childhood and uh, stuff. So um, I, yeah. love, I love things like that. Absolutely greatness. Um, yeah, I, I just this is this was really a lot of fun. Um, I, I I loved the energy of the band. Um, I was especially I, I was looking forward to talking to this because you had mentioned you had been there. So very very good stuff. Uh, Terry, if someone wants to reach you and hear more of your wonderful work, how can they? <laughs> uh, well, if they want to hear the uh, show, my podcast is Music Talks, and you can get that at uh, if you go to music uh, musictalkspod.com. You can stream it for there, or there's links to all the major apps. If you search in your app uh, on Music Talks, or one word, you should find it. And if you want to ping me, then I'm on Twitter at Music Talks Pod, or you can email me at musictalkspod at outlook.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. You can find the show at Set Lusting Bruce on Twitter. You can go to setlustingbruce.com, and from there you can find various links, uh, old episodes, and other such. Um, as long as Bruce keeps putting them out, we'll be meeting once a month to talk about this. So uh, I'm excited. Do you want to make any? I have no idea. I see people that go like, what do you think you're going to get? Do you have any guests or wish list of what? Uh, I would to love to. Time? I would love to see uh, more from the Rising Tour, but apparently there's uh, they've got severe technical problems. So there is a high def technology called DSD, which they actually released the archives on there, but. Um, apparently when they re they recorded the Rising shows, they used an early version of that. Mm. And I, f I find it hard that it's this difficult, but um, apparently they've got real trouble getting, actually getting, the, it's not tape, but getting the tapes to work. So uh, I think we've only had one uh, show. Yeah. So I, I'd, lo I'd love to see more, but who knows? I, who knows? You know, I would love just for selfish reasons the first the rising show in dallas was my first show so i would love to have that you know to well, wouldn't it be nice if next time it's a show you've been to and then that would be yes. th then that would show that there is a god up there somewhere <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um all right uh listeners thank you so much for listening thank you for the support please be safe uh remember social distance wash your hands wear an effing mask and we will talk to you soon Goodbye. Bye now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 